Heard, are we ready? Okay, it's three o'clock and we have a quorum. Okay, great. Um, uh, welcome everyone to the uh, March 16, 2023, Lawrence Douglas County Metropolitan Planning Organization Policy Board meeting. Uh, first, I think I'm gonna hand it over to Jessica to give us um, our instructions. Yes, thank you. Good afternoon. We have a few housekeeping items for this hybrid meeting. It is being recorded and broadcast on the city's YouTube channel. Please remember to mute yourself during the meeting when you are not speaking. The chat function this meeting has been disabled and all chats will directly go to me and Paul as co-hosts. Unless you're participating during the meeting, please turn off your video. This allows active meeting participants to be seen. You will still be able to hear the meeting and when you're participating, you can turn your video on. If you have any trouble, you can send me a chat. The city and MPO reserve the right to mute people or turn individual videos on or off to minimize distractions during the meeting and now I'll turn the meeting over to Paul to do a roll call vote. All right, Carter. Uh, present. Kelly. Present. Little John. Present. Shipley. Here. Smith. Here. And Thomas. Here. All right, we do have a quorum. Okay, very good, thank you. Um, that would bring us to our public comments. Is there any public comment in the room? There are no members of the public present. There is one online who has indicated he would like to provide comment by raising his hand. Okay. You can hear me? Yes. Okay. My name is John Thornburg. Um, I've got a comment, two comments. One, I'm regarding the um, transportation plan 2050, is it? Um, first of all, you don't see many members of the public coming to these meetings. And um, as far as users of transportation, multi multimodal transportation, I, I don't see them here either. Uh, elsewhere around the country, um, they're addressing that. Regarding the uh, transportation plan, which I know is important, and um, I have an objection to what's in it, but I, it's, I'm not going to be able to stop that or get those um, concerns dealt with, and I wouldn't if I could. I know how important it is. Uh, as a 20-year um, veteran of uh, the bicycle, um, it's my experience that the city has significant has consistently disaccommodated progressively disaccommodated cyclists by denying, delaying, and degrading bicycle parking. Um, now, the first uh, when I when I tell you I've had nine bicycles stolen, the first comment you're going to give me is, "Were they locked?" Um, Bart and I've been through this at the Hobbs Park recently. Um, I know I'm not pretty, but I'm not stupid. Here's an example of just one of the one of the locks, one of seven or eight locks that were overcome when my last bicycle was stolen. Um, the police said they'd look for it because they could easily find it. It was so distinctive. I found it, got it back. They stole it again. Can you see over my shoulder here what looks like some kind of a weird sculpture? Is a folding three-wheel bike. 
that'll be about $3,000. And when it's stolen again, that'll be it. If you want to see an example of the denial of facilities, go to the Santa Fe Depot. There was a $7,000 cargo bike parked uh, over there for several days. Okay, even the book tells you you need long-term bike parking over there. Um, if you want to see a more egregious example, go to what's now called the Carnegie Building. Since 2010, there's been no bike parking at, at that building at all. And that's where you go if you want to make input to things like the strategic plan or to vote. Where are you going to park a bike? Yeah, a worse fate than, than the Carnegie Building is what happened at the Lawrence um, Senior Recreation Center. The city does not have a bicycle specialist. Now, you've got someone in the room there who could sure talk about it, but the fact is that the Senior Resource Center, they were going to put bike parking in front of an emergency exit. I managed to get that stopped and they put it in the worst place. Most egregiously, and the reason I'm here is because Lawrence made history, American history as far as I can tell, when it opened a public library, not once but twice, and had eliminated bicycle parking altogether. Um, if you think that that bike corral is serving the purpose, it's serving the purpose because cyclists would not go away. So um, I thank you for your service. Uh, there's some thoughts for you. Thank you. Is there anyone else? I see no one else. All right, let's move ahead to the approval of the minutes from January 19th. Are there any changes or comments? Not seeing anything. Okay, are there any motions? Ms. Commissioner Kelly, motion to approve the minutes. Do you have a second? David Carter, second. Thanks. I have a first and a second. Um, let's have Paul do our roll. Carter? Yes. Kelly? Yes. Little John? Yes. Shipley? Yes. Smith? Yes. Thomas? Yes. The motion passes unanimously. Great, thank you everyone. Um, then that brings us to the big juicy item of the day, Transportation 2050. Thank you. We have before you for a second time since bringing it last time and putting with your permission um, T2050 out for public comment period, we have brought back to you um, the revised drafts the public comment received during the 30-day public comment period and our staff comments and some other comments we received from our staff advisors team and the responses and uh, where we've made changes um, there also for transparency in this process. Paul's going to review some of those. Um, we've attached the staff presentation we shared um, previously um, and, with trans and with our other committees. Um, I'll let Paul go ahead and share um, his screen and share the document with you to review just a few of the comments and the types of responses um, that we had at this part in the process. If there's, we're just going to highlight some of those. If there's others you would like to talk about, we would be happy to do that or anything else in the plan. Um, so go ahead, Paul. 
All right. So as Jessica said, just kind of highlighting some of the um, comments we received um, to give you an overview um, and how we responded. So just a few of the examples are, are pulled up on the screen here. Uh, first one has to do with sidewalks and um, how to address bricks, the brick sidewalks. Um, so we didn't make any changes based on this comment. The, the plan does recommend that Lawrence, um, the city of Lawrence establish brick sidewalk and street standards. Um, so beyond that, anything beyond that's really outside the scope of the plan. Uh, the next comment is really focused on kind of education between um, different users, people driving and, and riding bikes, and did not make any changes. And, and again, pointed to a place where this is addressed, and that that being the City of Lawrence uh, Neighborhood Traffic Management Program, which does have an educational component with it. Uh, the next comment had to do with street trees and an individual wanting to be able to plant street trees, um, I believe between the sidewalk and the street and ran into, ran into some issues doing that. Um, again, this is a little bit beyond the scope of, of what this plan deals with as it's more up to individual cities on, on their regulations regarding street trees. Um, but we, we did recommend the person that made this comment um, submit these comments to the Lawrence Land Development Code um, Steering Committee as they work on that update. That is an issue that could be potentially addressed there dealing with street trees. Uh, bicycle parking, uh, we did have a, a comment to, to add, um, add more information on, on bike parking, bike lockers. Um, we do recommend in-depth trip amenities and bike parking as a strategy in chapter six. And the Lawrence Bikes Plan and Countywide Bike Plan both address in more detail. Um, another comment had to do with transit and specific service recommendation. And that's again, kind of outside the scope of this and that's more um, appropriately dealt with the transit route redesign planning process that, that Lawrence Transit takes on um, every so often. Um, a few items that, that we did make changes on, some just having to do with the wording and language used of using bicycle instead of bike and motor vehicles instead of vehicle. So made some of those changes. Also a comment on the types of bikeways. Um, we had some redundant listings and some missing. So we did update that based on the more recent bike plans that have been adopted, do have a, some of that more up-to-date language. So just pulled some of that over um, to address that. And we did have uh, comments from, so all those comments above were, were from the, the public at large. Um, we did have comments from some of our staff, uh, staff members and partner agencies that we work with, um, Federal Highway Administration. Um, a few of those changes, um, a comment about environmental and economic impacts related to congestion, just wanting more um, explanation or clarity. Um, so we did edit that section for overall clarity and 
ended up deleting the reference to economic and environmental impacts to congestion. Um, the next comment was there are some, we're projecting some financial shortfalls in certain jurisdictions. So have any strategies been explored? Um, we did add potential new funding sources, a sentence about um, where those could come from. Um, again, LeCompton showing a operations and maintenance shortfall. Um, and we did speak to LeCompton and, and they indicated that their expenditures would, would be cut to match revenues as, as needed. And those tables were, were also adjusted. And the projections on um, revenue were were updated based on federal highway comments about needing to have a four-year band for the first four years. Um, so that was updated, just something you probably wouldn't notice unless you were looking for it, but did make that change. And then we did receive a public comment on, on the agenda item of, the, of this agenda item, and that, that's in the packet as well, but also just pasted it here um, to reference. So, so that's an overview of, of the comments. Happy to answer any questions or if you want to go into more detail on, on any of those. Paul, David Carter here. Um, I'm, uh, could you clarify a little bit how the uh, comments that you've documented here differ from the public comment that's listed separately in the uh in the full agenda sure okay. so the the comments up top here are they were received during the 30-day public comment period um the comments below were received um, after that period had closed um but once we had this agenda put out so they were commenting on the agenda item got it thank you Paul, do you want to pull up the next step? Sure. Okay. So we would also uh, make important to note that the T2050 steering committee had no additional comments about or requested conversations or for changes um, at their meeting. And I'll remind you that Commissioner Carter and Thomas served um, in the role um, on that committee representing MPO Policy Board and Planning Commission. And then also um, the Multimodal Transportation Commission and the Technical Advisory Committee both made um, recommendations for approval, uh, MMTC to the City Commission for future consideration and um, TAC to the Policy Board. Um, and so we're asking you today for um, any final discussion or conversation and consideration of adoption. After that point in the process, this uh, plan then uh, approval of the resolution and adoption replacement of T2040, um, then we would submit um, T2050 
2050, um, once it's approved to uh, Lawrence Douglas Planning, uh, County Planning um, for their staff review and a consideration for an approval resolution and a comprehensive plan amendment. Um, and so that's kind of the process that we have laid out after um, your conversation and consideration today. Jessica, <clears throat> while I, <clears throat> excuse me, do not know Mr. Thornburg, I, I found it somewhat interesting. I had the conversation today about bike parking as well and how without adequate bike parking and safety, um, that that is a limiting factor on who's going to ride and where they're going to. So could you talk about that somewhere? What role do we have in that? Sure. Um, so as we're riding transportation 2050, oftentimes this process, we're in a year-long process to do this work. And we have in the interim years between the five years of the last plan and the updates, um, done the staff work to update the mode-specific plans. So that's the things that you see re referenced like the Lawrence Pedestrian Plan, the Safe Routes to School Plans, the Lawrence Bikeway Plan, the Countywide Bikeway Plan, the Intelligent Transportation Center systems plans, all of these more specific plans that we don't dive into that level of work when we come to do the long-range transportation plan because we don't have capacity to do that. So we roll all of those into this, this long-range transportation plan. In regards to parking, the parking conversation has isn't a new one. Um, it's something that we have done historically when there, before there was a multimodal transportation commission at the city, there was a city county ad, a bicycle advisory committee. And when we staffed that committee a number of years ago at this point, we did, um, in relationship to bicycle parking, a lot of inventory of downtown bicycle parking. Um, admittedly, in the land development code, that's where the provisions are to regulate bicycle parking. Article nine. And um, so the MPO hasn't had a role. We've given staff comments in that process when um, the city county planning office and the planning commission initiated the revisions to Article nine in the last round. Um, and that did add additional provisions around short term and long term bicycle parking and development. Um, I think the Long-term bicycle parking is something in a previous downtown action report that we have called for as a future action, and that has lived there. It hasn't had, there's been no implementation of that. Um, I think the first implementation we're going to see of lockers, of bicycle lockers, is going to be with the transit central station, um, and that's something transit's picked up. Um, I don't know operationally if it's been discussed in terms of who owns it and how that all works. I think that programmatic approach would probably need, it would need to be decided if it was a city operations issue as part of budget process or if it had an extensive amount of capital with it, if it belonged in um, the, the CIP. I haven't. Um, being MPO transportation planners, we've been on the edge of some of this planning work and having conversations that have, in, in, that have identified those issues and plans. Um, and that's kind of the extent of where our policy document either recommends it or notes those issues as they've been addressed over time. So there could be additional issues. I think some of it lives in planning code and land development code. Okay. Um, and admittedly, 
how the central business district is handled in relationship to parking, um, the thresholds are only met when you redevelop. So a location that does not have bicycle parking, there's no retroactive enforcement to go install bicycle parking, just like there wouldn't be parking or other provisions unless they meet the thresholds in the land development code. And so all of the downtown parking in that regard has happened based on one-off grant projects or initiatives, whether that's Parks and Rec or things we did at the previous Bicycle Advisory Committee, but there's no there's no requirement for additional bicycle parking in the in the central business district because it, it was tied to car parking and and we separated some of that. Um, but I still think there's still some review and improvement that could happen in that. And that hopefully is something they'll consider as part of the land development code update. Okay. So in regards to, I don't think those issues are new. I think the processes where those issues need to be handled that we would encourage citizens to go to those processes. And I'm not sure as far as retrofitting city buildings in terms of, you know, as a property owner, where that belongs in terms of a city process. Is that parks and rec? Is that, you know, city municipal service in terms of who maintains the building? So, I mean, I think if there's, <clears throat> there's probably additional conversation that could be had directing um, people to the right place. I'm not sure this large policy document that's the long-range transportation plan is the right place to make progress on that. We already have a policy statement that says we should encourage end-of-trip facilities. How could we find out to let Mr. Thornburg, although I'm guessing he has researched this <clears throat> backwards and forwards, but how, where would we go to find out who does need to address this? Yeah, well, I well, first off, the one the one immediate answer is land, bicycle parking is governed by the land development code. And that is being rewritten. And that is being rewritten. Right. And so that process would be the process where Article 9 would be revised and the requirements related to bicycle parking would be addressed. Okay. So I think immediately it's that as far as that would be for moving forward with any future development, right? I think there's a separate issue in the sense that some of the facilities, you know, are we following those guidelines and what do they say? And then I think the second thing is, is there's the retrofit issue argument where some of the locations mentioned whether or not whatever happened in the site review process, right, which happens as part of planning and development um, is are those, are the regulations getting to where our expectations would want them to be right in relation to what's being built but also if there is no provision for retrofits what does it look like as a systematic approach if you wanted to go and do you know a capital project around bicycle parking at public you know public facilities or something like that because his his certainly is not the first comment apparently that has been an ongoing comment about parking we we have heard i mean we were more the MPO used to be more involved in bicycle planning um, when we staffed the advisory committee that was the city county advisory committee related to um, bicycle advisory. When that got rolled into the multimodal transportation commission, that that staff role as a local city committee, then not no county connections, became the role of MSO and municipal services and operations, and they have a staff liaison. Okay. 
I think there's probably a couple places for it. I'm not sure, and I know there's dissatisfaction in regards um, to some of the comments, but I'm not sure there's much else we can do in our MPO planning document that can change and that's going to more significantly change the outcome. And that's what I needed to know. Yeah. Uh, but finding out who who does have some weight in this and making bicycle parking safe and convenient for people. Yeah, and there's probably I mean, a public role and a happen. private role, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So did everybody know Mr. Thornburg? Is he just somebody I've never seen before? Because he seemed like he knew what he was talking about and had addressed this issue. Yeah, JT's commented on a, many public processes that we have. Can I ask him a question? Sure. <laughs> so does that help? Uh, not a bit. You already know who to go to. and I know all about it, and I've been all over the country and around the world. Okay, this is, comes down to a political issue, and it's going to have to be the, the city commission. Um, what you've heard, I'm not, the, the second most obnoxious question that I get after were your nine box, bike, stolen bikes locked is, have you talked to Jessica Mortinger? Jessica Mortinger and I have enjoyed a, a, a very amicable um, dialogue for years now. Um, but um, what you've just heard is another aspect of the shell game that's being played. Um, I've heard these I've heard these excuses time and time again when the city was going to rewrite its bicycle um, or its its parking code. They said that's where you need to be. Well, I was there. And I'm here, but I, I want to thank you, sir, for asking some good questions. I can give you uh, all the answers to the questions that you probably have, but the reality is out there on the street. Thank you. Well, I appreciate your input. I, I mean, it is something certainly that I think needs to be addressed. Um, so thank you. Thank you again. Thank you. Did, um, on the agenda here, you've got all the chapters lined out individually. Did you intend to say something about each chapter or did you just do that for our convenience for clickability? I did that for your convenience to not have to load the entire plan. So I don't necessarily need to call out every um, or any chapter in particular, if, unless there was something you wanted to, any one person wanted to discuss, but we may also want to entertain. We uh, have had a new a member of the public join the room and uh, get to public comment. Yeah, let's go ahead and do that. And then we'll see if um, if anybody has any more questions or comments. Um, so you have someone there in the room? Yes. Michael, would you like? Yes. Hi, I'm Michael Allman, Sustainability Action Network, and thank you for the opportunity. Um, we submitted a few comments. I think they went over that earlier, um, some of which was taken into consideration. 
There are any number of things that, and I'm speaking primarily to bicycle transportation here, um, any number of things that need to be addressed to make our bicycle transportation system, and I use that word kind of cautiously, uh, but to make it a reality. Uh, but I'd like to highlight some that I think are, are top priority. First of all, um, our transportation system is primarily very auto-centric, and our city engineer does a you know, really good job making that system work. Um, you know, he's not short on talent. What he is short on is money. Um, he tries to spread around the money that he has at his disposal, but it ends up being spread too thinly in our estimation. That said, I think one of the top priorities is that However, the agencies work, um, wherever it starts with design standards or with the MPO, which I think the MPO says the design standards are over the MPO. So we need something defining as the default bikeway, separated bikeways, first and foremost. Uh, that conversation was excluded from the recent policy issue that the city engineer brought before the Multimodal Transportation Commission and the city commission, markedly removed from that discussion. No discussion about separated bikeways, whereas it's central to the whole discussion as far as we're concerned. So that's number one. Number two, um, well, funding, like I said, and to get to that point, right now the city mostly relies on grant funding. Uh, there is a certain amount, like 1% approximately of city funds, 1% of city transportation funds that are for bicycle transportation. No, that's not true either. That's split between bicycle and pedestrian. Uh, so maybe a half percent of city transportation funds right now for bicycle. A very important key to that dilemma though is where does private funding come in? Right now, the subdivision regulations do not refer to bicycle transportation at all. It has quite a bit on pedestrian transportation and developers, when they develop land, are required to pay for and install sidewalks. We need something equivalent for bikeways and we would say on collectors and on arterials. Um, that would free up amazing amount of money. Plus, it wouldn't mean that 10 years from now, we'd have to come back and retrofit those subdivisions with bikeways, which we all know is more expensive. So uh, that would fall under special assessment benefit districts, just like sidewalks. Uh, number three, as... Um, Commissioner Thompson was talking about, when he was talking about the parking issue, uh, it became clear that there's a disconnect between making the plan in MPO, which is a nice guidebook, but has no power to implement anything. And then wherever it is, whoever it is, that then figures out how to do it. Um, 
most cities have a position, if they're taking this seriously, of a bicycle transportation coordinator. And Lawrence has any number of coordinators right now, uh, sustainability coordinator, equity and inclusion coordinator, affordable housing coordinator. That's the kind of person that actually makes it work, that pulls all the pieces together. We've been struggling with bicycle transportation for 40 years plus since 1976 pedal plan. Um, we've made very little progress. So those are the three things I feel right now are the most important. Um, I agree with the whole parking issue uh, and we have comments that we already submitted on that. So thank you very much. Any other comments in the room? There are not. Are there any comments online? I see none. Okay. All right, let's uh, bring it back to commissioner. Are there any questions or comments on any of the other sections? Um, um, <clears throat> David Carter here. Um, I wonder, um, Jessica or Paul, if you would care to respond to Mr. Allman's uh, observation about bikeway design and um, the proper context for um, how that's addressed. Um, one of my one of the things I've experienced through my participation with the pedestrian steering committee and also with this uh, with the um, uh, T two twenty fifty committee is that just about any time I ask a question, there's something already addressed in one of the plans. And um, yet both uh, Mr. Allman and Mr. Thornburg raise important points about things, you know, just because they're in a plan doesn't mean they make their way into practice. Um, in looking at the, um, you know, the countywide bike plan from 2021, I do see like a whole appendix on bikeway design. And I wonder if you could, you know, address this, this critique that, you know, that, um, you know, separated bikeways are not in this plan. How do we say this is in a way, this is kind of a, a, a restating of Commissioner Thomas's question. How should we expect to see um, very specific designations reflected in practice? Okay. So in both the Lawrence Bikes Plan and in the countywide bikeway plan, we heard these comments in the community around design when we went to do those planning processes. And as a result, you see the response to those comments and feedback we got is our design guidelines that are in the bikeway plan and they support the model that we set up around bikeway planning for level of comfort. Because admittedly, the previous bikeway plan had a lot of lines drawn on a map and it had already pre-designated what infrastructure was going to be there. So it would say future bike lane or future whatever the facility type was. And since that previous plan had been adopted, there was a lot of additional new design standards nationally, I think, to draw from that widens the toolbox of how we can do bikeway design. And so to be responsive to that, instead of having a new plan that said exactly which street should have what facility type, we tried to build a tool that would allow for flexibility in local decision making when a corridor was being looked at 
to look at the speed and the volume of the street um, as a way to determine which designs would be eligible to be that should be eligible and be considered in that practice of designing that infrastructure. We asked the bicycle steering committee that guided that plan development at the time about these situations of retrofits with a, with a painted white stripe uh, bike lane, um, as they're referred to, that's separate, that's very different than a buffered bike lane, which allows a different, different uh, additional painted space between the bike lane and the travel lane, and a protected uh, bike lane, which would have some sort of either um, a mountable like armadillo curb or a bollard, right? So there's a there's a variety of different bikeway designs. They are all within the guidelines, but I think what um, Michael's saying, and he can correct me if I'm wrong, is that hasn't translated into necessarily street design standards, which are the city of Lawrence's adopted standards by the, by the engineers. They still have collector facilities with, like collector street facilities with a striped bike lane, not necessarily a buffered and protected infrastructure where our guide has some provisions around um, both street classification, volume, and speed um, in terms of making those decisions. Their street design standards do allow them to design under those other standards. They reference NACTA, which is the National Association of Traffic Professional, I don't know the whole acronym, but they're the NACTO street design standards, which are some of the more progressive bikeway design standards over some of the AASHTO standards. And so I think there is some discrepancy there. And when we did the last bikeway plan, and I think this is where um, Michael doesn't necessarily agree with what everything that's in the bikeway plan is that there, and if I'm putting words into your mouth, you can correct me, is that that plan and the bicyclists we talked to at that time, there's a there's a statement in that plan, and I'm not going to quote it exactly. We can dig it out if we want to look at it further, but it's basically do something in lieu of nothing. And I think this is where the biggest contention comes in is if we're, the attempt is to build an all ages and abilities system, right? That's a network of facilities. Then these facilities do something in lieu of nothing where they don't meet the necessary, they meet the guidelines. Like you could use any of these tools, but they're not the most desirable facility type. Then it's a, it's a, a, it's a difference between who you ask of what, who, which type of bicyclist or who you ask about whether or not, should we do a white stripe painted bike lane or should we do nothing and which is and which is safer and or which is the perception of safety if that's the infrastructure we're building is those things in you know if we're doing street maintenance and there's room to put that that lane in that striped bicycle lane in is do we do that or do nothing and i think that's been a lot of the conversation locally in implementation i think one of the things you should note is that the bikeway plan, like you mentioned, the county one wide one was finished later, but those will get revised every five years. And so there will be an opportunity, I think, as a larger community conversation to have that conversation um, in the next bikeway plan. Could some could the city of Lawrence before that decide to adopt a, a standard or expectation that they decide not to do white stripe bike lanes and only do buffered or protected bike lanes? Yes, that would be a local, they could adopt a design standard that would exclude the white stripe bike lane. That's not, um, that's in conflict, or it's in conflict to what the guidelines allow, um, but it would be permitted. It would be more prescriptive, or, you know, like, uh, you know, in that, in that regard into erring on a design that is 
um, perceived by some to be more safe. Super, thank you. So yeah. if and I understand you, okay, so go ahead. Jessica. You're fine, Mike, Michael would like to say something. So you can, we can choose to do that if you'd. That's fine, yeah, Michael, okay. if you wanna. Did you wanna respond? They're gonna let you. Thank you, Jennifer. You explained that very well. Um, yeah, the the point that we don't agree on on you know retrofitting some facility on like a, a street maintenance project is doing something is better than doing nothing. Um, we don't agree in that if it's a white stripe bicycle lane particularly like on a collector street, that we feel that that is a, um, uh, what's the term I'm trying to think of? An attractive nuisance mm -hmm. that, you know, somebody who's not very adept bicyclist might feel it's a safe place to ride, which in many respects it's not, but they would put themselves in harm's way by taking that bike lane. Um, and I should point out that state statute, by the way, statute, hold on. You have the number now. Um, KSA 815.16, look it up. Maintain three foot clearance with a bicyclist. Motorists have to. And six inches is not three feet, but I, I digress. Um, what I mentioned earlier is that because there's not enough funding in the city for bicycle facilities. Uh, we think it should be upwards 10% of the transportation funding. The city engineers spread that money out too thinly. We would say that rather than trying to put a white stripe on every street in the city, which we, we feel is you know inadequate, that take that money and concentrate it more in uh, you know particular projects just to do the project right so that it's actually usable and attractive and safe for people uh rather you know spreading it around the city engineer thing seems to think and has said that in any given project we'd rather do that and you know make an improvement there we don't agree that it's an improvement if it's just a white stripe um, oftentimes they even run the numbers with the uh, level of, of comfort and the level of comfort doesn't change just because they put a white stripe there. So I don't think it's really a solution at all. Um, we can have some of those in the city if people feel it is appropriate in some locations and it could be, but we feel that separated bikeways should be the default design. and then resort to something else if it's not possible. So that's, the pri it's prioritizing things. Thank you. Um, thank you uh, for that um, discussion, everyone. Um, I would also say it's kind of interesting. I've never heard that framed that way, um, Jessica, that the conversation is, something in lieu of nothing, because if it were a road, that wouldn't be how we build roads. Um, so if it was for cars, we wouldn't say, oh, I would rather not, I would rather build an unsafe road than no road at all. We would never say that. 
but evidently we're willing to say that about bicycles because with all due respect, that's what those painted lines are. <laughs> and the wording, um, that's my wording, you know, my recollection of like yeah. what it says, it probably doesn't say it like that. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, nevertheless, I, I, I appreciate, I understand, I understand your point. Yes. I appreciate, yes, but I appreciate you, you framing it in a way that I hadn't um, really thought of. So um, the other thing I think is interesting here is if we were to compare transportation 2050 to plan 2040 in terms of, okay, here are our ideals. This is what we're going to do. And then, you know, we, as we are going through our um, codes and, and ordinances and trying to make those match up with our plan, yeah, with our plan 2040, I mean, are, are, is this not a fair comparison with transportation 2050? Because then I would make this, I guess I might see the argument more that okay, then maybe that language needs to be stronger because then we're going to go and, you know, the, or at least the city of Lawrence will go and try to match that um, uh, behavior with some kind of action. Um, is that an, maybe not a fair comparison? Maybe. I don't know the, I don't know how to answer that because I can't speculate about what will happen in that regard in terms of other things. I think that the hard part for us to rectify is we vetted that conversation with that committee of bicyclists, which is made up of stakeholder bicyclists who represented a lot of different types of bicyclists. And we had that conversation. I think Michael was submitted comments of, the, of some nature of that in that process, but we have that conversation with them about retrofits in some of those senses and, you know, design preference or default design. And um, the way we wrote the plan was to hope to get to some of that, to, to get to what we felt were those all ages comfortable facilities based on speed and volume to set us up for success in regards to that. If that's not how it's translating in operations, then I think that would be something we can go we would go back and look at, but we really need to do that in the context of community engagement and comfort around the bikeway plan as part of a systems of systems approach. Because it, admittedly, I think it's not all it's not all or nothing in the in the same sense that um, even Michael's comments said that a white stripe may be okay in some places. It's just we would rather them not be the default. So I think there would need to be more thought into that than just saying that. I think we already do um, by adopting the Lawrence Bike Plan as part of T2050. I think we are speaking about that comfort and the goal is comfort of three. You know, we have that matrix in the in the street, in the bikeway network that assesses speed and volume, posted speed and volumes. And it says get to three or, um, you know, better. And in that sense, then if there's not an improvement, then that's still that action, whatever the city action that's being taken is still not meeting that plan goal if it's not improving the comfort. So I think that metric is already there. I'm not sure how much more we could do that unless the city itself decides, you know, we're going to eliminate this as an option or without these special provisions or I'm just, I'm, I don't know if that answered your question or. It, we've we've grappled with this in the sense that we had this conversation with the committee, and so um, there are, I'm sure, 
some cyclists that feel both ways about it. I mean, that's the this is the debate that Multimodal Transportation Commission has often even amongst themselves. They haven't made this decision even sometimes between shared use path and uh, on street infrastructure or stripe lane. And it depends who you ask and what their experiences are based on what their recommended facility is. And I'm not sure we should make that. A, I'm not sure it's our role to, you know, we've set this, the expectations. We have guidelines that allow these, per, these provisions. I'm not sure it's appropriate for us to take that off the table exclusively if that's what can happen in, in terms of connecting bikeways or doing other things. It's a, it, I would want it to be a larger consideration than me saying like, oh, let's just do that. Any other comments, questions, discussions? <laughs> it's a perfect document. So what is the new facility called that's that's being built? What's the name of that? That central hub or whatever it is. Oh, central station. And you say it's going to have lockers for bikes. I the last time I saw designs, it had bicycle lockers. It has interior bike storage. So there's like a bike room. And that is funded by the city. That's a city, that's a city infrastructure project. So there, it is a priority at some level to do that. Um, just not enough of a priority to spend more than one half percent of the money for bikes. Well, is that accurate? Well, if, if the half percent is correct. <laughs> Um, that that money we're spending on the transportation hub came from a tax, and is I I would it's say a transit sales the, tax. Yeah, that's different than I think the money that Mr. Ullman's referring to, generally in our budget. Yeah, and the money issue gets challenging because first off, it depends: are you counting all the standalone Lawrence Loop projects? Then if you're only considering the dedicated bicycle and pedestrian funding that's going to prioritize improvements of standalone bike ped projects, then there's also additional, you know, sidewalk projects if we're talking about those. But any, any bike or ped project that's incorporated as part of a roadway project isn't accounted for necessarily separately. So, for example, 19th Street tasseled when it you know had its most recent project or Clinton Parkway or Wakarusa, they all the bikeway decision of choice was a shared use path and none of that's accounted for as bike ped infrastructure. Some of those costs aren't pulled out separately from those like roadway projects. So it's hard to assign a percentage. But I think in general, the percentage of standalone money is low in the sense that if you're talking about building a network, the roadways you're going to need for bikeway network are not always going to be the same roadways you're doing big capital arterial projects on. And so standalone money is important if you want to make significant progress on developing a low comfort or a high comfort um, bikeway, which does cost more than what you're getting at, you know, your standalone bike uh, ped funding. Mm -hmm. Transit money in the 
Any other questions, comments? Okay. Um, I guess then I'm looking for a motion. Allison Smith of KDOT, I would move to approve um, Transportation 2050. This is Commissioner Kelly. And before I go ahead and second, I just want to sort of address a comment that came earlier that there was no concerns with this plan. I think what our job really is to do is to make sure that a process is followed and was raised. And this still has many steps to go. So while we're approving it, to go on to that next step, I think um, uh, I think that's sort of the next. I think we're approving it to the next step. Was the process followed? We took public comment. There's always going to be conflicts in this policy, and I appreciate those members of the public who came out and sort of offered a perspective. Um, and I think that's really important to consider. But I I want to appreciate staff's work on gathering all that public comment, responding to that public comment and then incorporating the changes as necessary. So that's just my comment. And with that, I will second. I have a first and second. So can I do a roll? Paul, you're muted. Carter? Yes. Kelly? Yes. Little John? Yes. Shipley? Yes. Smith? Yes. Thomas? Yes. The motion passes unanimously. Excellent. Um, yes, great, great work, staff, and interaction with the public, and um, really a lot of uh, comments in the document that were um, it, really interesting to read. Um, so thank you. Um, that brings us to quick updates. Mm -hmm. We just have two items for your attention, the first of which is we were successful in our partnership with Lawrence and Baldwin City and Eudora at uh, winning a Safe Streets and Roads for All planning grant for a Vision Zero Safety Action Plan. And we are in uh, conversations with our partners at the city um, to work with our federal partners to get to an agreement so we can begin um, that work. Um, that's going to be really exciting. Um, and the second thing is that we will have a, we have a public comment period out right now for the 2023-26 um, Transportation Improvement Program Amendment 1. Um, and you will see that before you at, in April. Very good. Thank you. Any questions or comments? Okay. Uh, then that brings us to other business. Any other business? Nope. Okay. Then that brings us to our next meeting should be April 20th. Um, unless uh, Jessica emails us and indicates otherwise. We'll see you then. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, everyone. Have a great day. Thanks so much.